0: I am Chad Allen. I am one of the pastors here, and I am so stoked for this opportunity uh, to get to share the word with you this morning. We uh, we, we just want to welcome you here. If, if this is your first time or this is your hundredth time, we're glad you're here, whether you're here in the building or checking in online. Uh, just welcome. We're in the midst of a... Uh, series on the book of Luke. We just started a couple weeks ago, and it, here's kind of a disclaimer is, if this is your first time, understand what we do today is different than what we normally do. Uh, we are going to look at a huge section of scripture today. We're looking at like, like 50 verses, okay? So uh, I'll try to uh, do the best that I can uh, with, this, uh, with this passage if you try to listen as best as you can. Make sense? It should work out. So, um, when, we, when we love it, I just, uh, worship was on point this morning. Blake and the team, fantastic job. Yeah. I, I love how God is changing lives all around us. Don't you love that? Uh, turning graves into gardens, man. Our, our God's awesome in how He's changing lives all around us. And to be a part of that is truly, truly a blessing and a joy. And, and, and I'm glad that we're, we're all here and want to see this. And, um, you know, as we look at the book of Luke, we're going to be in Luke 1, starting in verse 26, in just a, a couple minutes. Now, I want to caution you that not only are we looking at a large portion of Scripture, we're looking at a portion that is fairly familiar. That Every December, it seems like, this is a part of the scriptures that we always pull out. And if we're not careful, when we get so familiar with a scripture, we can get to the, so familiar that we miss what's really going on. We kind of speed up and, and check out instead of slowing down and digging in. And, and so I, I, I want us to really take, uh, make an effort to look at this scripture as if we were reading it for the very first time. Whenever I read a familiar passage of scripture, I always think about growing up in West Virginia. My family, we lived nine years in West Virginia, and in the mountains there, we actually lived on top of one of those West Virginia mountains, and um, amazing view just overlooking the hillside and our small community. We had this huge window in our living room just overlooking this, this breathtaking view. However, when you grow up and that's all you know, man, you don't... You don't think about it. You don't spend any time looking at it. You know, it's just, that's what, what it is. And you think everybody's got that, you know? Um, we moved away to Ohio and a, a, some time went by and went back. And I got to go back to the house that you, I grew up in. And, and when I was there, you talk about being blown away. I was blown away. I couldn't believe The view. I mean, I saw that every stinking day, but, but, but never stopped to admire it. And when I came back, it's like the, the mountains had completely grown and gotten bigger. You know, the view had gotten sweeter. Now, I know that the mountains didn't really change. Rather, I changed. But I had become so familiar with it that it wasn't having an impact on me. And I always think about that whenever I read a familiar passage of Scripture is am I so familiar that it's not having the impact that God desires? And so let's go to Luke 1, and let's really try to focus on what he's saying. In Luke 1, starting in verse 26, we read, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Now, I want to be really clear with this first. This is our big idea. If this is all you get, make it this. that, That God uses common people to do the uncommon. God uses common people to accomplish the uncommon. When we, we look here, Mary's life, it's, it's coming together and then all of a sudden it's going to change. For instance, Mary is betrothed to Joseph, who all that we can see seems like a really good guy. I'm sure it's the, she's thinking, man, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. Things are coming together. But now, all of a sudden, it's taking an unsuspected turn. Last week, Brother Ernie shared how, uh, Pastor Ernie shared how it, it, runners running a race, you know, that our faith isn't the, the finish line, that, that how silly it is for runners to get out there and when the race starts, not to run the race. That's just ridiculous. So we're going to take that a little step further, and we're talking about hitting our stride, finding our stride. And I don't know if there's any runners in here. Any runners? All right, well, I like to run, okay? I'm sick, I'm messed up in the head. And I don't mean like run to ta- Taco Bell or the donut shop, but just physically run, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. I, I, if, if, you, if you run, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's a run, there's runs that are really good and there's runs that's really bad. And on those really good ones, it, you find your stride, you hit your rhythm and your pace come together and you just, it's like you get in a zone and could go forever. It, it, it's amazing, you see, this is what's happening in, with Mary's journey. She, maybe things are getting ready to turn to where it's unexpected, but she she's going to find her stride here. What God has created her to do, what designed to do. And so if your life is taking an unexpected turn, then maybe God's trying to help you find your stride. Maybe he's trying to show you which way to go. Because Mary She, I'm sure, is faced with uncertainty, and she doesn't know how it's all going to to, to play out, That, that she's expecting and wasn't supposed to be. But God is doing this. You see... How, how worked up we get when we, uh, I said when we were pregnant, my, my wife was pregnant. When Megan was pregnant uh, was our first son, man, you talk about, I had no clue what to do. I, I had not been around kids. I was the youngest in my family. I, I, I didn't know anything about being a parent or pregnancy and what to expect. And I remember my wife had this book, uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting, right? Well, great. There's great resources like that for us. Mary didn't have that. And there's not been a book written on what to expect when you're expecting the Son of God. Not a large market for it. But, but, but Mary, Mary is going to find her stride here as as God is using a common girl to accomplish the uncommon. Check out verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I love this. God is using Elizabeth, who uh, by everyone else's standards, she's too old. And now he's using Mary, who she's too young. But is anything impossible with God? No. We've got, you know, John uh, and we've got Jesus. Here they're coming together. Things are exciting. And look at Mary's response with all of this. In, in uh, verse 46, uh, don't miss, Mary gets her worship on. Mary gets her worship on. She, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, what are, you, what are you magnifying? Well, what is it that you're building up in your life? What is it that you're putting on blast? What are you, what are you magnifying? Because we're all magnifying something. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's uh, a career. Maybe it's our possessions and wanting the finest things, uh, our, our, house, our houses, homes, cars, uh, all those things. Uh, what is it that you are magnifying? Is it a hobby or is it the Lord? Is it something that's temporary or something eternal? Mary's very clear with it. My soul magnifies everything that I have, magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name Oh, I love what Mary says there. She says, he's done great things for me. Now think, when is she saying this? She's saying this before she knows how everything's going to play out. She's saying this in the the midst of uncertainty. We know that Joseph ends up debating he was going to, to leave Mary. He didn't want to embarrass her or anything like that, but he's going to leave. She's going to become the talk of the town. She's going to become an outcast, an outsider looked down upon. Everything... That might be so perfect as going to unravel and yet she says I'm going to magnify the Lord for he has done great things for me will you do the same when your life starts to unravel will you do the same she goes on and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts What do you do when you face uncertainty? Is your first response worship, or is it something else? See, see, this is what what Mary is—straight up warrior, man. She she's young, but that doesn't stop her. She worships her heart. She wants to be the Lord's servant. She is completely sold out and finding her stride with us. And can you just ma- uh, can you just imagine? what the conversations must have been like. You see, there's two things that I think Mary does that we need to pay close attention to. When we face uncertainty, number one, we need to magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. That needs to be our focus, is magnifying the Lord. Not our problems, not what we are afraid of, but rather the Lord. But then the second thing that I think we should note is this, is that we need to surround ourselves ourselves with faith builders. But Mary goes and she goes to Elizabeth. Who uh, it, Can you just imagine those conversations? You've got Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary together for some months here. And just imagine how, how the Holy Spirit would have been moving and working in their lives and the worship and, the, and just the encouragement. Friends, whenever we're in hard spots, whenever we're facing uncertainty, you're gonna either surround yourself with people that'll build your faith or people that'll undermine your faith. We need to be surrounded by people who build our faith. And we need to be people who build faith in others. When, when we look at all of this, we know some time goes by. And then Luke picks up in chapter two And he says this, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, I just want to pause here and say, all right, do you understand? This is not a made-up story. We're not following just some fable about Jesus, that this is actual factual history. It's verifiable. Verse three, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn." And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, I know this is a familiar passage, but but do you see what's going on? Here we have Jesus, God's son, being born, the creator, taking on flesh. Can you imagine what this would have been like? We get excited about our kids, right? I I mean, I remember with our firstborn, man, you, you just talk about an emotion that I can't put into words other than if you've experienced it. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about, that when my son was bored. Man, I was on top of the world. I was so ecstatic, you know? The nurse, they didn't hand the baby to me and they'd say, All right, here's your son. Uh, try to love him. He's going to cry a lot and wake you up a lot, and he's going to do other things a lot, but, but try to love him. No, no, no. Man, it was instantaneous. This was exciting because, I mean, we had been waiting for months for this. Now, here we have Jesus being born, and this has been promised all the way since the garden. This has been the hope of what everyone was looking for, all of God's people, for Jesus to be born. It's so exciting and such a good time. I mean, can you imagine that, that when, when, when our children are born, we put it on blast. We want everyone to know. I mean, I was calling people that I hadn't talked to in, in ages, you know, that I wanted them to know my son had been born. Here we have, heaven is so excited, the joy will not be contained, that the angel and the heavenly hosts are there praising God. Amen. You talk about a birth announcement, man. This is it. But I think it's important we know who did God send the message to? It wasn't a palace. It wasn't royalty. Rather, it was common people. If anything, so common. They were shepherds. God favors the shepherd. Who? who, who peace with those whom his favor rests, right? Who is that? Who does God favor? Who is it? That pleases God. It, it, the shepherds are the ones we see the message given to. See, I think there's four groups of people that, that just going off of him appearing to the, of, of, of the message going to the shepherds, that, that shepherds in that day, they were, they were local, I mean, they were the epitome, the um, unskilled labor is what I'm trying to say. I can't think of the word right now. That they were, you know, when you think of unskilled labor, you thought of shepherds. You know, this was a job for, for kids or migrant workers. Nobody on career day said, I wanted to be a shepherd. It, it was the job nobody wanted. And yet they were the very ones that God chose to announce Jesus to. And so there are four groups that, uh, that, that, that God favors. The first is the poor, The shepherds were poor. You see, poverty is not a sign that God has forsaken. No, God wants to give something better than than, than just money. He wants to give abundant life, true life. And Jesus is clear that poor are in a better position to receive from God the abundant life that he promises because their hands aren't full. It's so hard for God to fill us when we're full of ourselves. God favors the poor. But then also God favors those whose life is messy. If your life is messy, so were the shepherds. The, the shepherds, they, their life that was considered to be uh, um, have gone off the rails to be a, a total life fail if you were an adult shepherd you <laughs> you, you just hadn 't hadn 't done well in life, and so those who whose lives were messy that's that 's who he came for those who know they need a savior the sick, not the healthy need the doctor right and so this is where where if your life is messy, man understand God favors you God loves you he 's not forsaken you that if you 're you found yourself in bondage and addictions and, and you can't find your way out. Understand, that mess is what God's going to take and turn into a message for his glory. Not only the poor and the messy, but, but also uh, he favors those who feel forgotten. That the shepherds, they were the outcast. They didn't get to hang out and connect with their family and friends whenever they wanted. Man, they had to go out and do their shepherding. And so the shepherds, I'm sure, they had to feel for forgotten. And, and God is the God who sees, and he knows. He has not forgotten you. I know you might feel overlooked. We all do from time, time, time to time. You might feel like, like nobody cares that you are forgotten. Listen, God has not forgotten you. But then the fourth group is God has come for the guilty, favors the guilty. The shepherds were were considered to be dirty and dishonest. A shepherd's testimony wasn't even valid unless it could be verified by someone else. Now, the reality is, were the shepherds any worse than anyone else? No, not at all. But that was the perception of the day. You see, they knew, they knew that they needed a Savior. They knew that they were guilty. You see, our, the, Isaiah is clear. The book of Isaiah show, shows us that our best acts of righteousness, you know, when we are nailing it out of the park, we think, man, we are doing everything right. Understand this, that our right, most righteous acts are still like filthy rags in comparison to God's righteousness. He's our only chance. His grace is the only reason we have hope. You, you, you know, it's its like... A, a needle, if you've ever gotten a shot, a needle, it looks like an impeccable piece of steel, just, you know, it looks perfect. But when you take the needle and, and put it under a microscope, blow it up, you see it is actually full of imperfections, of blemishes. It's not what it looks like. You see, when it comes to the guilty, we are all guilty. That we are the ones who need Jesus. We are the ones who need a savior. You see, we might not be under a microscope and maybe on, on social media, we look good, and we got our posts and we, we, we just put our best self out there. But inside, we know that's not really us. You see, God is able to look at our heart. He gets past all of the appearances, all the fronts we put out, and he looks at our heart. He sees us for who we really are. While others might be able to hide, none of us can hide from God. I'm so glad that God favors the guilty. Check out the shepherd's response in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Friends, look at the shepherds' response. I think there's only two appropriate responses here, and we see them both from the shepherds, is number one is the, the what God has done is worship. The response is worship from the shepherds, that they worshiped. It's what Mary did. It's what Zechariah did. It's what Elizabeth did. It's what people who are, are, are connecting, hitting their stride in the race, running the race to honor God, it's what we do. We worship, and you see... The, the gospel is good news, good news of Jesus. The gospel is good news, not, not good advice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, news, good news, good advice. You know, it's not telling us what we need to do. It's what? It's telling us what God has already done. And that word news, it, it means that something has happened for which the world will never be the same. That is the good news. The world will never be the same because God did something huge. When we we respond and God shows up, we talked about seeing God change lives. Man, we love that. When we see that, when God does that, do we worship? But then the second response from the shepherds is this. They would talk to anyone who would listen. They went and spread the word, spread the news. And anyone who would listen, they talked talk to. You see, when God has done an amazing work in us, we can't help but share it. We can't help but spread the news of what he's done. And I believe that should be our response worship and telling others. And so simply, I want to ask this week two questions. Number one, how will you magnify the Lord? Ask yourself, how will I magnify the Lord this week? What am I going to do to blow him up and not myself? What am I going to celebrate this week? We all celebrate something. What am I going to celebrate? How am I going to celebrate him? Maybe it's just starting with spending some time with him, of getting in the word, spending time in prayer and connecting, and not just doing it one time for a couple minutes, but but doing it ongoing throughout your day. How are you going to magnify the Lord this week? Then the second question is, who are you going to tell? Who are you going to share the good news with? Who is it that, that you need to be a part of building their faith up? Who is it that you know you can connect with and increase their faith as well? See, we're not given this, this, his word just to read it, go home, and call it good. Man, we are to do it, to live it out. Will you do that with me? Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we are so thankful for what you have done for sending Jesus. And Lord, just uh, amazing how you work things together that, that no one else could do except you. And so, Father, we thank you for your hand and your presence in our lives. And Father, we pray that you will be honored, that you will be glorified. We just won't hear this message and call it good, but rather we will be doers in Jesus' name. And all who agree, say amen. 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 Love you, church.